Welcome to another vital message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the Word. Well, are you ready for the Word today? All right. If you're ready for the Word, we're going to be going just a little bit later here, uh, talking about Father's Day this morning. We're going to be going to the book of Esther. Now, if, if you happen to have a Bible here or you're uh, uh, at home, uh, let, let me tell you how to find the book of Esther, okay? If you take your Bible, if you have one of these old-fashioned ones, I don't know how to find it in a scroll. I guess you just keep scrolling. But if you have one of these old-fashioned ones, if you'll open up your Bible to about the middle, you'll probably be about the book of Psalms, okay? If you'll go to the left, you'll find the book of Job. No, it's Job, but it looks like Job, doesn't it? Yeah. And then right past there is Esther, okay? Or else you could just pull that red thing and it would open up right there. Uh, that's what mine does. It opened up right to Esther. And we'll be in Esther chapter 6 in a moment. And uh, uh, today, as, a, as we talked about, is a very special day in the United States of America. It's Father's Day. And when we celebrate Father's Day here, we celebrate it as though it was happening all over the world. And we know in different nations, different countries, they celebrate it on different days. But, uh, you know, if you have been listening to me preach for very long, you've heard something about fathers. And some of you have been members of this church for more than 35 years. I will soon have been here 35 years in August, but some of you predate me, and that is amazing. Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't know, uh, you know, uh, 50 people could stretch so many years with me, but, you know, uh, Cindy Downs back there, you know, uh, she was the secretary when I got here, and Cindy, it looked like it was going to be me and you for a little while, you know, and um, we, had a, we had a wonderful uh, opportunity to see God grow uh, the church and just, uh, you know, thank all of you who have been around for any period of time. But I know that those of you who have been here for uh, longer than a few weeks, you've already realized that I'm repetitive. I'm redundant. I'm circumbendibus, circumlocutious. I'm prolax, proliferous. I'm, you know, I go in circles, you know. Uh, um, and uh, I, I, I tend to say the same thing over and over and over. And the reason I do is because I believe that there is a difference between telling and teaching. And I believe there is a difference between you listening and learning. And I know some of you will listen this morning and others of you will finally learn something because you've heard it so many times. What is the difference between listening and learning? What is the difference between telling and teaching? Well, unless the person that you are telling can repeat what you are saying unless the person can repeat what you have said they have not learned you may not have taught you know uh, I know what it feels like to to share the Word of God and um, you know realize that perhaps I was preaching as much for me as I was for other people I love to hear myself talk. Buck, you know that's true. We've, you know, I'm, uh, although Buck has that bug a little more than I do sometimes, I think. Because when he and I get together, it just sounds like a roar. Uh, but, um, you know, my heart is to actually teach instead of tell. Uh, my hope is that you would actually learn instead of just listen. So I found that my best is to keep it simple. And to say it very often. 
And if I can repeat, make a living, make a life, make a difference enough times, I think that you will you know, remember it. If, if, if I can repeat, the journey is your friend enough times, then whenever you get into a difficult moment, at least that can resound uh, should the Holy Spirit desire and bring it back up in your mind to say the journey is my friend. You know, it's the journey that prepares me for destiny. You know, if, if I can repeat long enough that if it's bad, God's not finished, then I'm hoping that whenever you have a difficult moment that you'll realize that God's not finished. Don't quit in the middle of the story. If I can repeat enough times to say to you that you don't have to treat this like it is the end. Don't let the devil make you believe that this is the end. In whatever situation you find yourself, realize that, that this is not the end. You know, I get up tomorrow and I get a fresh chance. So I say things over and over. And uh, I've said so many things about dads, uh, and, and I've repeated them so many times. And guess what? This morning, I'm going to say them one more time. And you might can tell yourself something you've heard from me a number of times. You know, in the event that you've heard it before, then here's what you say to yourself. It's probably not about me. It's probably about someone here who hadn't heard it before. Okay? And so we participate by you going, amen. By you going, yeah. By you going, oh, I can see. You know, and that way it makes other people feel more comfortable. Uh, you know, even though they're hearing it the first time, they'll go, yeah, okay. And so you know I've said so many things about Father. One of the things I've said about fathers is that it, it's the only thing that God ever wanted to be. Do you know the one thing that God wants to be in your life as a father? He could have made himself into any image. He could have been the sun. He could have been light. He could have been the moon. He could have been, you know, a, a, a lightning. He could have been anything, but he chose to reveal himself to us as a father. I find that very interesting. And, and God has designed life to be passed on by a father. That's the way it works. That's how God, I mean, he gave us life. You know, and he has designed that life is passed on by a father. And uh, if there is one thing that the devil could do, if the devil could do anything he wanted, it would be to take away the father. If he could take the father out of the home, out of the heart, out of the mind, out of the equation, if he could take the father out of the universe, if he can take the father out of heaven, if he could get the father out of the home, that's the number one thing he's working on. And hordes of hell today have been released all over the world with that hope that they can take the father away from you. That's the devil's desire. And the sad thing is, is that many fathers in many families, they aren't living according to the perfect plan of God. Many times, even though a father might be in the home, he's not necessarily there or he's, you know, not living according to the perfect plan of God. It's a very difficult thing when, when that happens. But, um, you know, there is no doubt, no doubt at all that the one problem that is the biggest problem in the whole world is the problem with fathers it just is whether people have a problem with our heavenly father 
or whether he's not invited into an equation, or if fathers have not stood up and protected families and nations and generations and, and children and, and been the light and been the example. That one problem is the whole problem with everything in the world today. But good news is, the truth is, it can be fixed. And it can be fixed, but it has to begin with you. It has to begin with us, we who are fathers, and we who have an opportunity to lift fathers up and to respect them and to embrace them. Listen, there are so many good, wonderful, great men all over the world. We cannot let the few bad actors and those that the devil constantly shines the light on, those whom, whom a sin has deceived, captured, and drawn into darkness, we cannot afford to allow them to be the last word. We must lift up fathers and we must restore the respect that God intended in our life for fathers. I know that is a hard thing to do for many people. Not everyone had a good father experience that can stop with you and it can start a new day. But how in the world can it be restored in your life if you had a father that disappointed you, a father that, that you know, how, what can you do? Well, good news. Okay? There is a remedy. God always has a remedy. The Word of God always speaks the answer to the problem, especially since this is, I believe, the biggest problem the world has ever had. Well, today is Father's Day in America, I said, and, and so I have a pop quiz this morning. Okay, uh, uh, for us, it's, it's 200 questions. No, it's only five. Do you know, by the way, that's a great sales pitch. You know that, right? That's just one of those sales pitch. It's supposed to make you feel better about it being five. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I read that recently again and refreshed that, that, if, that if, uh, if, if a car salesman, whenever you ask him what the price is, if he says, well, I can't charge you a million dollars, then whatever he says, you feel relieved because psychologically it's under the one million. So psychologically, anything under 200 would have been a win for you. You would have felt better and felt like you could participate. You know? Isn't that horrible? <laughs> to be manipulated in church on a Sunday? I'm going to do everything I can to manipulate you, to move you into a place where you will accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, where you will invite him in and where you will intend. The difference is I'm going to tell you I'm going to try to do that, okay? And I'll let you know when it happens. But here, uh, um, you know, the first four questions are true, false, and the last question is a yes, no. We'll run through these uh, uh, so that we can get to the Word of God in the book of Esther. Uh, first question, okay, it's a true-false question. Um, in the middle of the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verse 12 says, Correct your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God gives you. True or false? Of course it's false, okay. Don't be too quick to answer, by the way, okay, because uh, you never know when I throw something in here, but yeah, false. No, it, 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 it doesn't say correct, you know, it, it, it actually says, you know, honor. Wow. Uh, okay, 
Question number two, true, false. Proverbs 23, 22 helps us to realize that it is normal to stop listening to your father and to be aggravated at your mother when they get old. True or false? Yeah, false. Yeah. What does Proverbs 23, 22 say? It says, listen to your father who gave you life and don't despise your mother when she is old. Now that word despise comes from a Hebrew word, booze, B-O-O-Z. Isn't that funny? So you're not even supposed to be aggravated at your mother when she gets old and starts drinking too much wine. Okay? <laughs> Don't despise. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Proverbs 20, 20, number three, true, false. It says... If you insult your father when he deserves it, you will be saving your family from great despair. False. False. If you insult, no, it doesn't say if you insult. In fact, it says, you know, don't insult, okay? One of the translations, the New Living Translation uses insult. Don't, 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 don't be insulting your father. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's not a good thing to do, the Bible says. Okay, uh, okay uh, number four, fourth question, true or false question. Ephesians 6, 2 and 3 says, Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live a long life on the earth. You may live long on the earth. True or false? True. Yes, it is true. Honor. Okay. Uh, last question. Question number five is a, simply a yes or no question. Okay. Are you honoring your father in a way that pleases God? Now, wait before you answer. It's a yes, no, uh, uh, you know, but, 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 but wait. Hold it there just a moment. Before you answer, I suppose it would be fair and reasonable for me to explain what honor and what honoring someone really means and what honoring your father really means. Uh, I, you know, uh, let me say first that honor does not mean to agree with. Hello? It doesn't. Honor does not mean to support someone's opinion. Honor does not mean uh, that you you know, have to follow someone's decision. Or their lifestyle. Or champion their mistakes. Honor is, however, honor is a show of respect that will not allow us to embarrass, belittle, insult or despise someone who is worthy of honor let me repeat that i put i should have put that in red honor is a show of respect that will not allow us to embarrass belittle insult or despise someone who is worthy of honor. Now, stop there because I know wheels are turning. 
Because you can easily put people in categories of this one is worthy of honor and this one is not worthy of honor. This one is worthy of honor because of what they have done. This one is not worthy of honor because what they failed to do or because they did something dishonorable. Well, I want to share with you something that is a reality. And if we would embrace this truth, this principle from God, it would help us to please God and to put our fathers and our mothers into a proper God perspective. Um, Let me put this up so you can let it soak in a little bit. The honor given to a father by God is exactly like the righteousness given to a born-again believer by God. I want you to think of this like this. Honor is a gift from God. Righteousness is a gift from God. The Bible tells us that we are made righteous. You can read about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We become righteousness. We who were sinners and filled with sin, because Jesus took our sin... When you get born again, he takes your sin and he gives you righteousness. Righteousness cannot be earned. Righteousness is a gift. All of our righteousness is as filthy rags. We are but dung, Paul said, in the face of God. We have no righteousness on our own. It's a gift. We're made righteous. And Honor is something that God said, do for your fathers. Honor your father and your mother. He did not say anything about them being worthy or unworthy. He has decided that it is a necessary thing that Jesus make us righteous, and it is also a requirement that we honor that we respect, that we draw a line and refuse to cross that line to bring forth embarrassment or insult, to bring forth uh, belittling or to despise. Allow the devil to make us despise someone whom God has decided to honor. God decided that fathers are worthy of honor. God decided you're worthy of righteousness. You know, I might not see it that way. But honor is a gift of God. It's not earned. Honor for a father and a mother is not to be judged by human standards. It's to be followed by a God command. Honor. He put it right there between how you treat him and how you treat your neighbor in the Ten Commandments. It's right there, boom, honor your father and your mother. 
that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. It's the first commandment with promise. And we all agree it is a much better scenario when a Christian who is the righteousness of God actually lives right. Would you agree? Yeah. Aren't you shocked sometimes when everybody, you know, when you've known somebody and how they live to find out they're a Christian? Aren't you shocked to find out they go to church? You ever been shocked to find out that one of your coworkers went to church? Sure. Because they sure don't act like it at work. They don't act like it at school. They don't act like it as a neighbor. But you find out they go to church. You know, it is a much better scenario when someone who is a Christian, who is righteous, acts right. It's also a much better scenario when someone who has been given honor by God acts honorable. But it's not always the case. Nonetheless, God says they're worth and worthy of honor. We cannot honor God without honoring those whom God has chosen to honor. You cannot honor God without also honoring those that God has chosen to honor. You cannot love God, he said, without also loving those that God has decided are worthy of your love. He said, in fact, if you say you love me and you don't love your neighbor, you are a liar and the truth is not in you. That's not the truth. Wow. And if you say you honor God and do not honor your father and your mother, then you are a liar. You don't understand and honor, you're not honoring God. You must, if you want to honor God, honor those that God said honor. Now, it's not really always easy. You know, faith does not make things easy. It makes things possible. Committing your life to Jesus Christ does not mean it's always going to be easy to do what he says. It, 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 that's, that's not a part, but it does mean it will please him, and there's a purpose to it. There is a purpose to it. In order to get a biblical handle on this principle, uh, we're going to read from Esther chapter 6. Now, let me catch you up here on what, you know, was going on in, in this time period. It's, it's, it's somewhere about the year 480, 479 B.C., there's a king, uh, the Bible talks about him being Ahasuerus, uh, uh, Xerxes is who we understand him to be. He was a king of Persia, and this Persian king, his palace was in Shushan, which is in Iran. Of course, Iran is the same people live there today, lived back then, the Persian people, okay? Uh, it's, it's not, uh, you know, uh, Shushan uh, is, is, is still a place there uh, in Iran. And this king, Xerxes, had inherited uh, from his father. His father died in 486, and he inherited the throne. And it ends up that, that he, he ruled over 127 provinces, which covered about 60 nations, all the way from India 
all the way through the Middle East and Saudi Arabia and all the way over to uh, Egypt and down to Ethiopia. He ruled all of that place and his, his palace was about in the middle. Now, uh, he's a young guy. He's about uh, 35 years old or so, you know. Uh, uh, well, by the time we get to 480 when he had his, uh, well, he had a real bad experience. He's the guy that took, you know, perhaps a couple of a million soldiers and marched over to Greece. Y'all remember there at Thermopylae, Leonidas and the 300, you know, and they stood against him, you know, and, and, uh, you know, well, he had marched off to war because, you know, he, he was, didn't have anything better to do. He had, he had kind of put his wife away, Vashti. Y'all remember if you read the book of Esther. If you haven't read the whole book, it's just wonderful, the whole account. But Esther, uh, you know, or, or rather uh, Vashti had disappointed him. She wouldn't come out and prayed around. And he was having a party a couple of years after he had become king. And, uh, and, and so he puts her away. Then he goes off to war and fights. He has a horse. Horrible, horrible defeat, uh, a series of defeats which really start there in Greece. Some of you went to Greece with me and we went to that very place and stood there at Thermopylae. Y'all remember this past year? Or was it this year? Might have been, uh, who knows? Um, I think maybe it was last June we went there, wasn't it? And uh, we were at Thermopylae and we, we, we you know, had learned all that story about uh, all the account and all the history of uh, Xerxes and Leonidas and the 300 and we saw the place where they stood in that gap right between you know the the, the water and, and and the mountain and such a narrow gap what a what an amazing account historical account well that kind of depressed him he only got back home we understand with perhaps even 6,000 people 6,000 soldiers he kind of had a massive defeat and when he got back, history and, uh, the, you know, uh, the Bible doesn't, d does not give the full historical account of all of those things. But when he gets back, it seems uh, the best picture history gives us is that he, he you know, was sad and depressed. And, and so his, his leaders got together and they put this huge harem together for him, you know, somewhere perhaps between 70 and 100 women. Okay. Kind of ease, ease his burden. He's had a big defeat. He's going to go home to, to you know, um, um, you know, going to go home to seventy virgins. I guess I don't know. And so uh, he 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 gets back, and uh, and uh, one of these young ladies that is in this harem is named Esther. She, of course, is hiding the fact that she is a Jew. Because Jews were in disfavor. And Mordecai, who was her cousin but had raised her and was a father image to her, Mordecai told her, don't tell anybody you're a Jew. Now you go, you be a part of this. You're a young lady, you're pretty. You go and you be a part of this harem. And so she spent a year being you know, prepared, bathing and oil and everything before she got to spend that one night with King Xerxes. And you know the story. That one night uh, was all it took for God's will to unfold and for him to place the crown on her head and for her to become queen of Persia. Persia. 
and all of those 127 provinces. And, and uh, you know, uh, it, 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 it's a wonderful, wonderful story. Well, there was a man in the kingdom who was high-ranking. His name was Haman, H-A-M-A-N. And Haman hated the Jews. He hated them with a vengeance. And he concocted a plan on how he could get the king to sign an executive order that all of the Jews could be executed, could be killed by anyone that wanted to or anybody that wanted their stuff. On a certain day, it was, it was open season on Jews. Well, Mordecai had went to Esther and told her, you have got to intercede for us. Well, you know, she didn't want to. And, but then there's that famous, you know, uh, um, um, quote that we all quote, you know, Mordecai sent back, you know, perhaps this is the very reason you ever even came to the kingdom. Maybe all this other plan, God had this moment in mind, and you can do this. And so she said, well, if I perish, I perish, but I am going to see the king. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do my best. God will have to do whatever he can do, but I will, I will do my part. And so she goes and sets this up with the king. Very interesting that Haman had already built a gallows upon which he was going to hang her cousin Mordecai, her father image. He was going to hang this man because he hated him. Because Mordecai would not treat Haman like Haman was God. But it had happened a little earlier in the story that two of the gate guards had been plotting to kill the king. And Mordecai heard of the conspiracy and he made it known and then the king found out and so he was able to uh, you know avoid the execution and deal with the gate guards and they were executed instead and this was written down in a little book you know uh, to say you know that this guy Mordecai helped us you know he helped the king uh, to keep from being executed and so you know uh, the king one night of course as it would happen was you know staying up late and and was sleepless but the bible says because God, you know, was interrupting his sleep. And he said, you know, bring me the books of, 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 of the historical accounts and, 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 and read to me from it. Maybe while you're reading to me, I can get some sleep, you know. And so they read through that passage of the account of the record where Mordecai, this man named Mordecai, had actually saved the king because he had helped discover the plot to kill him, to assassinate him. And, and, uh, and uh, the king interrupted and said, what, what, has, uh, what has been done to reward this man, Mordecai? And they said, well, nothing. He went, oh, wow. And so the next day, here comes Haman. Haman is going in to see the king. He's the right-hand man for the king. He's going in to see King Xerxes because he's going to end up getting permission to put Haman on the gallows and hang him. That's what he wants to get done. So he comes into the king, and we are in Esther 6, verse 6. So Haman came in. 
And the king asked Haman, What shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, Whom would the king delight to honor more than me? I mean, I'm the right-hand man. I'm his helper. Oh, Haman starts turning. Oh, my. You know, what should be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? What a great question. What should be done for someone whom the king wants to honor? All Haman could think of is, that's me. (laughs) I'm the right one. I'm the just one. I'm the helpful one. I'm the one. I'm right. You know, uh, I mean, not in a million years could he imagine that the king wanted to honor the man that he thought was wrong and mean and nasty and, 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 you know, rebellious. He, He could never have imagined that God wanted to honor that man. He thought, oh, he's talking about me. And so Haman represents so many of us who have operated in the flesh at times in our lives Uh, And we have allowed our disagreements, we have allowed our disappointments, we have allowed uh, allowed our disgust to become a guiding light in our life. Have you ever allowed your disappointments to guide you into a place that God didn't want you to go? Your disagreements, disappointments, your disgust, have you ever been disgusted and let that become your guiding light? Let that become the leading authority and by which you judge everything else. Well, the, the question uh, here that, you know, Haman had in his heart was, ooh, what do I want? That's so many people. What do I want in this relationship, in this scenario? What do I want from this relationship? How do I feel? And Haman felt justified, completely justified that he was right. And, and, uh, uh, and Haman believed that the whole world would be better off without this Jew, Mordecai. He believed it wouldn't just bless his life, but everybody would be blessed if this guy could just be put in his place. He believed he was right. He believed Mordecai was wrong. But the king did not feel that way. The question that Mordecai heard, or excuse me, that Haman heard was, what do I want? How do I want to be honored? So Haman imagined, how do I want to be honored? How would the king honor me? Oh, my goodness. Oh, 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 okay. So Haman told the king what he wanted for himself. Verse 7, and Haman answered the king, For the man whom the king delights to honor, let a royal robe be brought which the king has worn, and a horse on which the king has ridden, which has a royal crest placed on his head. Then let this robe and the horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that he may array the man whom the king delights to honor. Then parade him on horseback through the city square and proclaim before him thus Shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor? Well, this is where it takes a turn. (laughs) Haman is telling him everything I want. You know, oh man, this is what, you know, if the king wants to honor, oh yeah, the king wants to honor me, then I want a robe and I want a horse and I want somebody running out in front saying, look at the guy that the king wants to honor. 
You know, God has a way of really creating paradigm shifts, doesn't he? Uh, Haman's about to get one. Verse 10, the king, <laughs> then the king said to Haman, hurry, take the robe and the horse as you have suggested and do so for Mordecai the Jew who sits within the king's gate. Leave nothing undone of all you have spoken. So Haman took the robe and the horse he dressed Mordecai in the robe and he led him around on horseback through the city square and shouted before him, thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. <laughs> this story really punctuates a golden rule, doesn't it? Luke 6.31 says, and just as you want men to do to you, do to them likewise. You know? Oh. <laughs> well, back to the last question. Okay. Are you honoring your father in a way that pleases God? You see, because it's not our choice or our determination or our judgment in the flesh as to whether someone else is worthy of honor. It's God's choice. It's the choice of the king. And the king has decided who will be righteous. And the king has decided who will be honored. And the only way that I can honor God is to honor those whom God has chosen to honor. And again, remember, this is not a place where we can allow our disagreements, our disappointments... It's not a place where we can allow our disgust to rule. Honor does not mean I agree. Honor does not mean I support your decisions. Honor means that I have decided that I am not the one who decides. And that I am not going to embarrass, belittle. I am not going to come to the place where I become a person who insults. Someone whom God wants to honor. If the answer to that question, you're treating your father in a way, you're honoring your father in a way that pleases God, if that answer is yes, then I'm going to tell you, great, keep up the good work. Keep up the God work. If not, then I'm going to ask you, offer your repentance to God. Because this is the first commandment, not the first suggestion. It's the first commandment with promise. How do I honor someone who I disagree with? I don't, you know, I don't support. How can I honor someone? I start by asking for God's help. I start by deciding I'm not going to embarrass and insult. I'm not going to belittle. I'm not going to dishonor God. I'm going to do my best to treat them like I want to be treated. I dare say any one of you has been perfect. But I don't think you want to be treated according to your imperfections. Would that be fair to say? I dare say that any one of us is perfect. I want to be treated kindly and nicely. Well, that's the way I'm going to treat others that God has decided to honor.
Amen? Amen. After all, honor is a gift from God. A God gift has a God goal. Perhaps the healing you need will come from you doing God's will. Perhaps the hurt that you need healed and touched is what God always designed because a God gift is for a God goal. It will accomplish a God goal. It might be the one thing that sets your father free. It might be the one thing that sets you free. You know what Haman did? Don't do what he did. He was so devastated, so repulsed by the thought of honoring the one the king wanted to honor that he went home and hung himself. Don't go home and hang yourself. Listen, he could have gotten on board with God's plan. He could have changed. He could have. He would not allow himself to change. Don't disallow the freedom, the release, the healing that God wants to perform in your life. And you can do it on this Father's Day. Those of you on campus, would you stand to your feet? Those of you at home, would you join with me? Let's offer our hearts to God. As I said earlier, righteousness is a gift that's given to those who accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you've not accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, do so today. Ask Him into your heart. He'll forgive you sins, and He will cause you to be made the righteousness of God in Christ. You can be saved today. You can also be set free. Thank God for all those who honor their fathers and their mothers. But if you're not in that category for some reason, then remember, this is a God choice. Ask God for help. Repent. Ask God for help. And then, step by step, day by day, just do what pleases God. Treat them the way you want to be treated. They're worthy because God said they're worthy. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for another relevant word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.